Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Kelly, the voice of Plymouth Third Track Racing and the Midwest Sprint Car Association. Um, today on the show, we're going to be discussing uh, some news around uh, the Wisconsin racing scene. Got a couple articles here that we're going to cover a little bit. And we will have an interview with MSA driver Will Garretts later on in the episode, as well as a little bit of soapbox to close it out as usual. So we're going to get things started here with the first bit of news uh, out of Luxembourg. And uh, this was kind of on a somber note. Um, I just saw this on Facebook and I thought I'd mention it in the podcast. Uh, a quote from the Luxembourg Speedway Facebook page. Luxembourg Speedway would like to offer our sincerest condolences to the Iverson racing family who lost Connor Iverson, driver of the number 29 sport mod this week. Um, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Connor in their time of grief. Uh, so, not exactly great news out of uh, from the Luxembourg Speedway, but again, we here at the Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast also offer our sincerest condolences to Connor Iverson and the entire Iverson family. So with all that being said, uh, this episode of Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast is sponsored by Pedal Down Promotions once again. Uh, Pedal Down Promotions is a full-service public relations and media services company devoted to helping businesses, organizations, civic groups, sports teams, and book authors effectively communicate with targeted audiences through a diverse array of promotional strategies and methods, including press releases, newsletters, profile and feature articles, website and social media content development, printed media, marketing materials, editing and layout, graphic design, and book publishing services. For more information on how Pedal Down Promotions can become your fast-track connection to success, contact Jeff Pedersen by email at pedaldownpromotions at gmail.com or visit www.pedaldownpromo.com or call 920-323-7970. Once again, thank you to Pedal Down Promotions for sponsoring this episode of the Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast. Next bit of news is going to be for the Don Benetti Memorial Ice Maker, October 19th at the Tomahawk Speedway up in Tomahawk, Wisconsin. $5,000 to win the IMCA stock car uh, division. Highest paying race of the year. There's eight classes of cars up there. $1,000 to win in the streeter division, $1,000 to win AMOD, and $1,000 to win the 300 sprint division. So huge payouts going on up at Tomahawk um, on the 19th of this month. And once again, that's the annual Don Finetti Memorial Ice Maker up at Tomahawk Speedway in Tomahawk, Wisconsin. Of course, they race a ton of IMCA divisions up there. Um, there's eight classes of cars racing that night as well. So that's very, very exciting stuff happening up there at the Tomahawk Speedway. Some more exciting news uh, to come out of the Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast uh, going forward here. 
after the first one came out, we've had a lot more, um, let's put it this way, interest in being on the podcast. Uh, so we've added a ton of names to the list of guys who are interested in coming on and being part of this uh, great project. Um, in addition to Brandon Berth, Will Garrett, Josh Walter, and Sean Rahal that I talked about last time, uh, we've got Justin Miller, uh, again, defending, or not defending anymore, but uh, 2018 uh, MSA uh, track champion at Plymouth. Um, Eric Miller, who is the actual uh, announcer at Road America, as well as, I believe, Gravity Park um, up in Chilton. Paul Pekorski, longtime MSA competitor, um, former champion um, as well, former mo modified champion and ri racer as well. Excuse me. Joe McMullen, uh, crew chief for Brandon McMullen's race team. Uh, Kurt Davis, 2019 MSA and PDTR champion. Adam Miller um, is interested as well. I mean, he, these are all people who are, are going to be um, on the podcast sometime in the future. Adam Miller, uh, MSA competitor. Tyler Davis, uh, MSA rookie in 2019. Uh, Linton Jeffrey, um, talked to him after that last podcast came out. Um, and he's very, very interested in being on the podcast as well. Um, and James Walban, who is uh, a um, Wisconsin wingless sprint driver. So nice variety. Um, and again, we're always looking for more guys uh, to come in and be on the podcast. Also, um, guys and girls, as uh, we've had uh, McKenna Haas. Um, Haas, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, she's uh, interested in coming on as well. A uh, 360 sprint car driver from a uh, little bit south of here in Iowa, and I believe she just moved to Indiana. So very excited about uh, those people coming on the podcast in the future. Um, it should be a lot of fun uh, to interview those people. And uh, I'm very excited to see all the hype for this. Um, and again, one thing we are looking for more of, of course, is always sponsors. Um, always looking for more sponsors uh, to come onto the podcast. We've got a couple other ones coming up here um, in the next couple episodes. Um, but we're always looking for more, of course. Before we get going with the uh, interview with Will here, I do want to take a, a quick moment and say thank you to uh, Linton Jeffrey for actually reaching out to me after that last podcast uh, came out. He was uh, he expressed a little bit of concern with the the title of the podcast um, and all that good stuff, but he, he was just worried that uh, there was getting there was other blame getting thrown around by uh, me personally, and of course that wasn't the case. Um, I, I even said in the podcast that I thought it was mainly a racing incident. Um, of course you can throw blame either way uh, between that incident between Linton and Austin. But I just wanted to touch on that really quick. Um, he called me and uh, well, he actually sent me his phone number and then told me to call him. Uh, and we had a really nice long, like 20 minute conversation uh, just about racing at the Plymouth dirt track in general. And he expressed um, a huge amount of positivity uh, towards uh, Plymouth, uh, the IRA, the MSA, um, he said it was a fantastic facility. He said he loved the track, and he said he can't wait to come back. So I'm looking forward to seeing that number 83 car uh, back at Plymouth next year, and hopefully he can actually wrap up uh, a feature win um, there at some point, which would be very, very, very cool. All right, so I'm here with the Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast uh, broadcast booth with the one and only Will Garretts, uh, driver of the number 21 360 sprint car in MSA competition this season. How's it going, Will? Going pretty good. Just enjoying my... Sunday afternoon here. Yeah, how you've been uh, enjoying the off season so far? Is a little weird to not be at the track every Saturday night, or is it is it kind of nice to have a few days off? At first, it's kind of nice, but I'm sure in the next month or so, I'll be ready to go back to the track. 
Yeah, I'm ready to get back after it, of course. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions here. Uh, the first one, of course, is just kind of sum up your 2019 uh, MSA season just in a few words. Just kind of give me like a really short recap of how you, how you think the season went. Uh, did you accomplish your goals for 2019? And uh, looking ahead to 2020, what are some goals that you're going to set uh, for you and your team uh, in the 2020 season? So as for the 2019 season, it started off pretty good. Um, what I wanted to do was I wanted to take my 2017 stats and kind of turn the top tens that I had into top fives and get more top tens overall and maybe compete for a win. I know I can't really take the 2018 stats because it was I kind of had my crash and only had half of the season there. But right off the bat, I had a top ten at Plymouth, and I thought that we were really fast. Um, pretty much every week, and it just kind of kept going that way. Um, I missed a couple A mains in the beginning of the year, or kind of like June, early July. Mm-hmm. And after that, it just kind of things started clicking a little more, and we knocked off some top fives in a row and a bunch of top tens. It was just I was having a lot of fun and running well and passing cars. And I think we had two or three hard chargers this year which was kind of fun. Um, As for um, 2020, I don't really have any goals. I'd like to get another win or two or match what I did this year, maybe just incrementally get better. I don't know. The main goal is just to have fun. It's very funny that you say you don't have goals for 2020 because you finished fourth in the championship this season. So I mean I I, th- I would think that uh, you know some kind of championship fight would be on the radar a little bit. Yeah, I mean of course that'd be fun to do and that'd be a cool goal to have. But it's really it's, I'm a say so competitive lately that uh, there's always guys like Kurt Davis out there, Justin Miller, Brandon McMullen, and all those guys that are gonna fight for wins every night, fight for the championship, and um, it'd be a lot of fun to go after it with them guys but you, you as you know from the announcing booth that they're tough competition mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so you you mentioned uh briefly your crash at uh it was at dodge county and um there's a video on youtube that i'll link with this podcast and it's it's an extremely extremely violent wreck and for those people who maybe haven't seen that video could you just kind of describe what exactly happened um, what injury you, you sustained in it and uh, just kind of how the recovery process was uh, to get actually back into the car. All right, so um, for those of you who have watched the video, it starts off with, I think it's Josh Walter and Al Schlaver running one and two, and something happens between those two, and Al just goes on a completely wild ride. I mean, I if you were not really following it, didn't know who was in what car, you would have thought that Al would have been the one who got hurt with how violent he crashed, but all the stuff was everywhere in the middle of that wreck. I think I was running like somewhere near 10th, 11th. I couldn't see anything, and by the time I slowed down, Al stopped sideways on his side and going into three. And I, either I could go left and hit the front of his car, but I thought the best option was to go right. I kind of hit the opening in my side of the car and smacked my arm against his car and kind of shattered the whole side of the frame. The frame's still at 
our shop right now, and <laughs> it is uh, not in good shape. But um, <laughs> I ended up breaking my left arm kind of in half between my shoulder and my elbow, and it was a compound fracture, broke the skin, and um, I was laying on my side, and they kind of um, got me out of the car into the ambulance. They just, they just thought I sprained it or something like that. Mm-hmm. But so, ended up going into the Beaver Dam Hospital. They transferred me down to Madison for surgery that morning. Wow. So what was it? Because you you were obviously out of the rest of the season last season uh, from that from that injury. So what what was it kind of having to? What was it like having to sit out of the season and watch watch everybody that you you know that you race with every week and then have to watch those guys go out and and race every week while you're kind of not bedridden but like you know you can't obviously be in the car what was that kind of like oh that was kind of tough but i still we still have my other teammate tyler tyler brayband um racing he was racing for um msa still too so i could root for him and help him out with whatever i could so that was fun to at least have a car there at least in the meantime it was kind of tough for me and uh, just to be kind of out of it and i was going through like the recovery process going to physical therapy they're kind of beating the crap out of me there but uh, <laughs> yeah, i just wanted to my main goal was just get back into the car yeah so coming back into the car how was it like coming back from that because you obviously i remember when i asked you about your your 2019 season one of the things that you said was you weren't sure how you were going to be able to drive the car um, after an injury like that. And obviously your your left arm is extremely important. Uh, for those of you who've never <laughs> driven a sprint car, you kind of need both arms. Um, and so I know you were kind of worried that you wouldn't be able to drive it to the best of your ability this season. And obviously you did. I mean, you picked up a feature win, fought for another one, um, and were running in the top five many of the majority of the nights of the year. Um, so what was it like to kind of acclimating back to the car? Did it just come right back to you, or was it kind of an, a process that you had to maybe adjust your driving style a little bit after that injury? So coming into the end of last season, we were kind of toying around with the idea of me running a night. We didn't know if I was going to do the last two or just the last one. It kind of depends on, it depended on how my recovery was doing. And I thought that I would really didn't want to wait the entire off season to get back into the car and my crew chief Lloyd thought it probably would be a good idea to get back into the car one more time before the off season too and my dad thought maybe I should do that too and I didn't know if I was ready but kind of two weeks out from the last race I decided okay maybe I can try this and I kind of went to the shop asked Lloyd if that was doable to get the car ready for then, and he kind of he didn't think I was that strong because I could barely I could barely turn the four wheeler when I was helping Tyler. So oh. he had like a trailer hitch there, mm. and they still laugh at me for this. And uh, <laughs> if I could lift that with my left arm, he thought that I could be able to drive it. And I picked up the trailer hitch, and I couldn't even do it. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not gonna be able to race. But then. Like, I don't even think I could do this with my right arm, and I could barely do it with my right arm either. So he goes, okay, maybe you're just weak. We can we can uh, see how this goes. And that night, I finished second in the EMA, and so I kind of got reacclimated pretty quick. And Yeah, I mean, if 
you obviously got back in and, and did an extremely good job uh, this whole season. You mentioned earlier uh, – you have a you have a teammate in uh in Tyler Brabant and he finished 11th in points this year. I know they were kind of working through a lot of issues with that car early in the season, so it kind of put him on the back foot uh going into the latter uh part of the season. But how what is it like having a teammate and racing for um a team like that where you have you have one singular car owner and you have two teammates that is there any kind of because you know you look at like a bigger racing series like formula one or some, or even the ira and stuff where you have teams of of cars and do the teammates do you guys kind of have to like help each other out is there any are there any like team orders that you know you can't like race real close side by side in you know in worry of like wrecking each other or um i guess are there any like qualms about racing in a team like that or is it all good things is it all good things because you can share information and work with each other on getting better and getting the cars better that's fair especially especially in a not necessarily small series like the msa but i mean it's not like you're racing for you know hundred thousand dollars every night so if you're you know if there happens to be contact between you guys it's not a not an entirely huge deal um and i don't think there has been so far at least nothing that i've seen um and you guys are both extremely clean racers and very i guess smooth on the track so it's not like you're all over the place or anything like that so i mean having two guys like like you guys who are again smooth and consistent on track has to be a pretty nice thing for for a crew chief like Lloyd to you know have those two guys so you're not coming home with wrecked race cars every night. Oh yeah, me and Ty are pretty equal drivers and we always have level heads on us and we try not to cause any controversy on the track or drive above our skill level and for the most part we've always driven it back to the trailer with cars still rolling. And uh, I'd like to credit both of us for being able to race with the best of the MSA almost every night and um, compete at that level and bring it back in one piece. Mm-hmm. What's it What's it like racing in the MSA where the level of competition, I mean, there were 12 different drivers that won a feature this season. Like, is it really just that wide open every night where 
there's no way you can predict who wins the feature. There's no way you can predict like who wins the heat races. Like we always talk about, you know, when I'm up in the announcing booth, I look at this heat race. I look at a heat race and I'm like, this heat race is absolutely stacked. But then you look at every single heat race, there might be five or six heats and every single one has a former champion or a guy who won, uh, you know, a feature earlier in the season or in past seasons. And it, it's just, it's incredible the level of the competition. So just kind of what's it like being in a series like that where the competition level is just that incredibly high? Um, As a driver, it can be fun and it can be stressful. <laughs> I mean, going to Pilgra has been pretty much the most stressful part of the night because if you draw a bad one, you're stuck in the back and almost every single heat race has has almost all competitive cars that can win it if everything played right into their hands. And I don't know, I just think it's fun. I think that we have the best competition for sprint cars in the state is for as for a percentage of competitive cars in the field. And I, I didn't know that 12 different cars won the feature this year. I think that's incredible. With I think we had 25 features. Well, and it's not even counting the, there was also, there's seven other drivers that were in the series this season that have won features in the past and just didn't win one this season. So I think that's even more incredible that you have 17, you know, or 19, you have 19 drivers that are, have shown that they're capable of winning a feature in this, in this series. And, you know, you, when you average 27 cars a night, that's, you know, only 10 or 12 guys that haven't won a feature before. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know Ty he came close to winning a feature this year, mm -hmm. and um, who I can't really come up with any of the top of my head, but there's a lot of guys who led a lot of laps and ended up not winning a feature race. It kind of shows to prove how tough it is and how hard everyone's working to do well every night. Well, I'm going to thank you for, for your time, Will. One last question to leave it off. Um, I got to ask what your uh, 2020 racing plans are. Um, are you staying, looking at just still staying full-time with the MSA, or are you looking at any kind of opportunities in a 410 uh, for next year or any years going forward? Uh, just kind of what are, what are your plans for the, for the 2020 season and, and the future? As for the 2020 season, we plan to run full-time with the MSA, and I know we discussed, um, going to 141 and running with the IRA a couple times when they're there just to check out that track. And I'm not sure if we'll do that with any other tracks or not. just kind of depends on where the 2020 schedules fall. I don't know. I guess the main goal is just have fun and try to win races. Absolutely. Well, you, you accomplished that this last season, and I look forward to uh, seeing you win even more races next season. Uh, thanks for your time, Will, and uh, have a good rest of your off season. And uh, I'll see you at the banquet. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you again before uh, we get going next year with the 2020 MSA Sprint Car season. All right. Thanks, Warren. Uh, thanks for having me. This is kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one. All right. So once again, a huge thank you to Will Garretts for coming on the show. Uh, it was a very, very fun interview to do. Um, and look forward to seeing him in action in the 2020 season. Going to take a little short break here for an ad, and then we're going to come back uh, with closing a little soapbox uh, section of the show. So we'll be right back.
All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us through the ad there. Um, and today's little, uh, I'm going to start like calling this like Lauren's soapbox or something like that. Um, but today, I, I briefly I briefly mentioned this um, in the first episode of the podcast. Um, and today, I'm going to talk about um, the NASCAR closed paddock at um, Road America and everywhere that NASCAR has um, a race. Their paddock is closed. And what that means is you have to have a special pass in order to get through um, to where the teams actually work on the cars um, and have their trailers, have the cars in the in the garages um, and all that kind of stuff. The only uh, place you really can't go, I mean, obviously, is the hot pit lane um, and all that stuff. You have to be a member of a team or an official uh, or a media, like a special media personnel to get actually into the hot pit lane. Um, but here's the thing. When you're at Road America and you're there for an IndyCar or an IMSA race or something like that, the paddock is open and it's open all the time. There's no point at any other race at Road America where the paddock is closed. And I know that NASCAR has it as a safety issue. And I'm sure there's been, you know, something had to have happened in order for that to be put into place. So obviously somebody had to get hurt or something like that. And I understand. However, when IndyCar is there, there's five different divisions that are running. When IMSA's there, there's probably more than that running. And I have never heard of a single accident between a race car and a, a spectator or pedestrian or something like that or a worker in the pit lane at Road America. I've never heard of it. If, if it has, then by all means, shoot me a text or something and let me know the article, and I'll completely rescind this entire argument. But my thing with this closed paddock is it's disrespectful to fans, uh, for one thing, especially since if you're used to going to Road America, you're used to having an open paddock all the time. So having that open paddock is nice. And it, here's the thing with, with an IMSA race, those these are the most technologically advanced cars in the world, maybe behind Formula One, maybe. But these are like WEC-level WEC prototypes, uh, GT cars, GT3 cars, like an um, amazing technology, and they're McLarens, you know, Mercedes, Ferraris, uh, Audis, all that stuff. And you can walk up to these cars and touch them, and nobody will say a thing. You can, the teams will invite you to go sit in this uh, Daytona prototype or the DPI, I think they're called now. And it's, it's unreal to me that you can go do that, but then when a NASCAR stock car, which I understand they're they're technologically advanced too, but nowhere near to the point of like the hybrid technologies and stuff like that that are in the DPIs nowadays. They won't let you within you know 150 yards of them. I mean, at Road America, it's it's if you've ever been there on NASCAR weekend, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a gate that comes from the St. John's concession stand and runs perpendicular to where the usual north or uh, that's actually the south paddock is um, from the border between the north and the south paddock and there's a gate that runs there and that's the security checkpoint and then you look ahead and there's 50 yards of open space and then there's the the nascar paddock and again i understand that it's for safety and i understand that when nascar you know they're always running cars back and forth they got guys with whistles and stuff to make sure that everybody gets out of the way when a car is coming and and all that stuff but there's nothing like that at an IndyCar or IMSA weekend or Vintage weekend or anything like that there. And there's been I've, – I've never heard of an issue happening. And I'm sorry to be redundant with this, but 
I feel like if NASCAR wants to stay relevant, they need to start including their fans in more things. You know, they have these autograph sessions that you can pay to go to, whereas like you have to pay, you have to pay to go get autographs by the NASCAR drivers at Road America. Whereas during an IMSA weekend, they have mandatory autograph sessions for all of their drivers, and it's completely free because the paddock's open. So you just walk up, the drivers come out and they sit at their trailers and they hand out their you know sponsors gear or whatever, um, and their little hot shot cards to everybody, and they sign them and you keep walking. People bring them stuff to sign. It's just an amazing thing because you see these world-famous drivers with world-class cars, and they're just sitting out there. You can go up, talk to them for 10 minutes or so, shake their hands, get something signed. It's amazing. But then you go to this NASCAR race, and there's all these young guys who – and it's not even – it's not if it was the Sprint Cup Series or what is it now, Monster Energy Cup, if, if it was that series, that might be one thing. But you get it there, and it's just the Xfinity Series. And that's the headliner for the weekend is NASCAR's second-tier series. And I think the assumption that a lot of fans had when the Xfinity series originally went to Road America was that it was kind of a test in order to get the Monster Energy Cup series there. And which I think everybody assumed, and I think rightfully so. And now it's been, when when did they come there? 2010? It's been almost nine years. It's been nine years. And we haven't heard a whisper of the Cup series coming to Road America. I, I've I've heard nothing. I I heard it. I've heard a couple of people speculate about it, and you know, obviously, there's always people, you know, spreading rumors about that kind of thing. But I have not heard any kind of confirming or even like hopeful statement from NASCAR or Road America themselves saying that the Cup Series is on its way. And I feel like fans, this the attendance for the NASCAR race has gone down in like incrementally every year and substantially as well. Very substantially. Like you see the first year that they were there, there's every single corner's full of fans. You got guys sitting on top of RVs, every camping spot's full. And now you go there and the tickets are cheaper for one. And I think that, I think that's a really big tell that the tickets are way cheaper. And then you get there and there's only four divisions running. All of a sudden, you've got three hours of dead time in the middle of the day because they run the Trans Am races at 8 in the morning. And then now this year, they had to add on the Formula 3 Americas just to keep the event relevant and have more than three divisions. Like it's, it was bad. Um, and they have the they had to add the stadium super trucks just to keep fans interested. Like, And that was honestly the best. That and the F3 Americas race were the best parts of the whole weekend. And I love Trans Am, but I'm not getting up at 9:30 a.m. to to watch a Trans Am race at Road America, unless I'm camping there. You're not gonna you're not gonna see that. So it was very very disappointing. Um, and I really think in order for Road America to keep that date, because now there's not as many fans coming there, so I'm I really fear that Road America's and even though the racing has been incredible, the the Xfinity races there have been incredible. They've been fantastic. They've been drama filled. They've been down to the wire there. I mean, they always kind of are this like fuel mileage thing, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I love strategy in motorsports. So it's very, very cool to see. And the racing's amazing. And even in all the other divisions, the F3 America's race was great. The stadium super trucks are hilarious to watch and they're fantastic. But when you have three hours of dead time in the middle of the day, paid autograph sessions, um, that closed paddock, 
all of those things are incredibly huge turnoffs to a casual NASCAR fan like myself. I'm not a huge NASCAR fan. I used to be, and then I started going down this whole road with the chase and everything like that. And marketing, their marketing schemes were completely off, and it was just not great. Um, and now I think, along with me, I think they've lost a lot of fans' interest. And I see this race at Road America, and I, I really don't see the Cup Series coming. I don't. I, I think Road America is going to lose that date before they gain the Cup Series there, um, just simply because the fans are losing interest. And it's too bad. And honestly, you can't blame Road America. They're doing everything right. They've got you know music coming there. They're trying to hype the event up. They've got local sponsors uh, in order to get more people from like corporate events and stuff there. Like Henry Repeating Arms is now the title sponsor for the Road America 180 um, next year. Um, and it's just it's really unfortunate because when NASCAR first came there, I was like, wow, this is new life for Road America. You know, you've got and all of a sudden IndyCar was back. Um, now with F3 America's coming there, the FIA is slightly involved and they're going to start, you know, raiding the track every single year. And, you know, in 10, 20 years or so, who knows, F1 could come to Road America and having, you know, a NASCAR race there, I think would be a huge benefit. And obviously the IndyCar races at Road America have been great. Um, and just seeing how well that weekend is doing and how IndyCar has packed on about as many divisions as you could possibly fit into one weekend there and it keeps fans interested the paddocks open there's free autograph sessions um there's always something going on in the track whereas you go to the nascar weekend and there's none of that and i really you see the indycar attendance keep going up and up and up and up it went down a couple of years for once they came back um, but now this last year it went right back up to where it was the first year that they were back and Obviously, Road America doesn't reveal specific figures, but from what the executive said about that weekend, it was very close to the first uh, year that IndyCar was back this past season. And so I think that's a really telling thing, that IndyCar is doing something right and NASCAR is not. And I really think that's why NASCAR has faded into near irrelevance uh, in the past few years, and it has lost its co- it's lost its core fan base that it had for the entire 2000s um, and even early 2010s, um, it's completely lost all of, I really think it's lost 90% of those fans. And now they're trying to bring in these this younger audience and it, it might be working to a point, um, but really it's, they are quickly, quickly fading into irrelevance. Whereas you see series like IndyCar, um, uh, what other ones like the Pirelli World Challenge, it's not the World, Blanc Pond. Uh, GT World Challenge, WEC. Now you see, even, even see F1. All of those series are becoming so fan friendly, and they're catering to their fans. They're giving the fans what they want. And I see NASCAR doing absolutely none of that. It seems like they're just doing whatever that they, whatever they want to do when they want to do it. Um, and it seems like every year they try to bring something new into the equation, and the fans just look around. And they're like what just happened? What are they doing? Like, this isn't something that we want. This isn't something, and I don't think that's what the drivers want either because the drivers, all they have are their sponsors and their fans and their team, the team that they have around them. But without the fans, there's no reason to go out and do it. And then all of a sudden you see there's no money for it anymore. And that's when series start to go downhill. Like you see in champ car and 
Indy, I mean, obviously IndyCar was on the rise, but when Champ Car went defunct, it was because they stopped catering to their fans. It's still great racing. It's still a great product. And I, I know NASCAR, some of the, Na- the NASCAR races this year have been incredible. But it doesn't matter if you don't cater to your fans that actually come to the track. And I think that's a huge thing, too, as well, is the whole TV ratings and everything. The only thing that series care about now is TV ratings, except for series like IndyCar and the Blanc Pond GT World Challenge and stuff like that. Moto America, they get huge crowds. They get huge crowds, Moto America does, at all of their races. But then, they what are they broadcast on now? Like, be in sports or something like that? It's a channel I don't even think half the country subscribes to, but yet they don't care because they're making money at the track. They're making their money at the venue. And I think those are the fans that NASCAR needs to start catering to. So NASCAR, if you're listening to this, open up the paddock, give us a free autograph session with your drivers, and by God, get some more series to come and support you because I'm not sitting through three hours of dead track time the next time you're at Road America. Um, and honestly, it was it was sad that I had to say the reason I'm here is for the F3 Americas race. And if I was being 100% honest when I said that about that weekend. So whatever. I'm going to hop off my soapbox now and thank you guys once again uh, for tuning into the podcast. Once again, it is sponsored by Pedal Down Promotions. Uh, with a vast background in the motorsports industry, Pedal Down Promotions proudly serves as the official official. PR and media relations firm for Paul Pekorsky Motorsports, Josh Walter Torque Racing, Plymouth Third Track Racing, and the Midwest Sprint Car Association. It is now seeking to form new partnerships with racing teams, tracks, and series for the 2020 season and beyond. For more information on how Pedal Down Promotions can become your fast track to success, contact Jeff Pedersen at 920-323-7970. Once again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast. Um, once again, our next episode will be up this Thursday morning. We're going to start doing two a week, um, because we have so many guests lined up. It's awesome. And we're, I keep getting more requests every day. Again, still looking for sponsors, uh, for future episodes. Um, if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, shoot me an email at LRNKLL999 at gmail.com or on Instagram at Kells underscore outdoors or on Facebook at Lauren Kelly, or you can go ahead and message the Wisconsin auto racing Facebook page um, to let us know that you are interested. So thank you so much guys for tuning in and we'll see you on Thursday for the next episode of Wisconsin auto racing. (laughs) Peace.